This is Radio Free Pro Wrestling, the home of smart and stunning wrestling takes. With your host, stunning Sean Burkhead. He does the Lord's work. The liberation starts now. Hello, and what a great time for you to join Radio Free Professional Wrestling. Yes, I'm the stunning one, Sean himself. And welcome to season number four of Radio Free Professional Wrestling, the podcast just like the Four Horsemen, that style and profile each and every week, giving you the breakdown from the world of professional wrestling. And oh my word, what a freaking week it was. Two surprise returns, one that was kind of electrifying, the other one, I'm pretty sure a lot of us wish never happened in the first place. So let's get going. It's Radio Free Pro Wrestling's Flashback. The guys catch you up on what you may have missed in the past week of wrestling action. Okay guys, highlight number one from last Monday Night Raw. We had Jay Uso and Kevin Owens team up to face Finn Balor and Damian Priest from the Judgment Day. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, it's can the babyface cool is this when they don't like each other? And unfortunately for the team of Jay Uso and Kevin Owens, fate fell onto him as Jay Uso accidentally super kicked Kevin Owens giving the Judgment Day yet another victory. Your second highlight from Monday Night Raw, Gunther. His celebration for the Intercontinental Championship as he gone past the Hockey Tonk Man's run with the belt. And gotta say, Gunther is a very good heel professional wrestler as he's standing before this crowd telling them that he's going to thank all the people that came before him to make this title important. No, it's really Gunther saying nobody made this title important until I got this title. And we got to see everybody's favorite babyface hero du jour, Chad Gable, come down and challenge Gunther to get another match for the IC title. Stay tuned, as we don't know yet if he'll get a second match. But what we do get is a six-man tag match with Imperium versus the team of Alpha Academy and Tommaso freaking Champa. Now, personally, I want to see Champa versus Gunther for the IC title. I believe that should be the feud. Even though I can hear all you Gableites out there chanting, we want Gable, clap, clap, clap. We want Gable, clap, clap, clap. Yes, it would be a highly entertaining match. We see these two gentlemen already have one great match in, underneath their belts. But give me Tommaso Champa versus Gunther. I mean, this is money waiting to happen, TKO. Go ahead, make this match. Okay, we're moving on. The third quote-unquote highlight of this episode might be a low light in a lot of people's opinion as we saw the return of Nia Jax after the match between Rhea Ripley and Raquel Rodriguez. And unfortunately, Rhea Ripley looked like just another jobber to the inevitable force that is Nia Jax. What in the effing world do they see in this Nia Jax person? Okay, fine, I know. Cuts into the rock. We gotta give her a chance. How many times do you have to give her a chance before she becomes freaking Eric Watts? Come on, people. Really. Overall, this Magnet Raw was basically a passable show. And it's gonna be the historic last episode with Vince McMahon fully in charge of the WWE. As the following day, TKO, the company that is the merge of Endeavor and the WWE, went live on the New York Stock Exchange. So now we're in the Endeavor era of WWE professional wrestling. Okay, let's move over to NXT from last Tuesday night. This card was a two-match card. The first match, Ilya Dragunov versus Wesley for the opportunity to wrestle him, Carmelo Hayes, the current NXT world champion. 
And oh my boy, what a freaking match this was. If you haven't seen this, you need to go back and watch this match. Okay, spoiler alerts here. Wesley loses this match, and we see him later on in the episode clear out his locker and tell the reporter that he is leaving NXT. Now the question is, is he really leaving NXT? Is he getting called to the main roster? I honestly feel like he needs to be moved up to the main roster if you're not going to try to put the NXT title on him. And there's a lot of jam in the men's division right now of people that could be your next NXT champion. I'm talking about your Braun Breakers. I'm talking about your Trick Williams. I'm talking about Wes Lee, Ilya Dragunov. Some of these people need to be moved onto the upper roster now. So we're able to clear some space for other towns to get on this card. Now the second match you guys need to go out here to see is the main event. It's Tiffany Stratton versus Becky Lynch for the women's NXT title. And it's a great match. And yes, I can see people kind of going like, why is Becky getting the victory over Tiffany Stratton here? And the fact that Tiffany hasn't had a long run with the NXT women's title. But Tiffany Stratton looked great in the loss. And I'm thinking this is going to be a start to a program. Just like they had Dolph Ziggler beating Braun Breaker for the title. That eventually Tiffany Stratton is going to come back around. Challenge Becky Lynch for the women's NXT title. And eventually defeat Becky Lynch. And that's going to be a very big feather in the belt. That is the career of Tiffany Stratton. Okay, I lied. Third highlight of NXT was a backstage brawl between Gigi Dolan and Blair Davenport. As I'm going to get my freaking match that I've been wanting for the last month. As these two ladies are being the heck out of each other backstage. As we see Blair Davenport get jumped by a mysterious figure wearing a hoodie. But underneath that hoodie is some orange hair. And oh by the way that's Gigi freaking Dolan. Now granted I know how the story is going to play out. I know that this is going to be this a stepping stone victory for Blair Davenport because Gigi Dolan cannot win the match unless she's with Tasha Attraction, but this should still be a highly entertaining match when we get it. Overall, NST was a similar show. You just need to watch the beginning and the end, and everything in the middle was basically just kind of filler for a sandwich. Okay, moving along to AEW Dynamite from last week. My three highlights of this show was the fact that he saw Samoa Joe secure his victory over Roddy Strong and his neck, quote-unquote, as he advances to AEW Grand Slam to face MJF for the AEW World Title. And at the end of the show, we see Adam Cole, baby, come down to check on Roddy Strong. And right before Adam Cole gets down to the ring, Roddy Strong sees Cole come down and face the neck injury. And... Basically, they stretched Roddy Strong out of the arena, and as Adam Cole is going back up the ramp, Samoa Joe wraps back around and chokes Adam Cole out to end the episode. Now, another highlight of this card was the fact that we finally get to see Heyman and Adam Page have a single match in a while against Brian Cage, and after this match, it seems like we're going to see Adam Page versus Rose Switzerland at Rascal Dream. Sign me up. I'm already giving AEW my $50 for this show because there's a lot of great sh matches on this card, like Daniel Bryan versus Zack Sabre Jr. But it looks like, yet again, AEW is going to load up this Wrestle Dream card and make us part with $50 freaking dollars, people. Okay, so my last highlight from Dynamite is the fact that Tony Storm wins the Fatal 4-Way to earn her opportunity to face her former best friend, maybe friend of me now, and Soraya at AEW Grand Slam for the AEW title. And maybe, just maybe, just a little bit of tension shown between Sheeta 
and Britt Baker as Britt Baker hits her curb stomp on Sheeta, but Tony Storm tosses Britt Baker from the ring, gets the victory, and after the match, we see Britt Baker and, and Sheeta have an argument, and Britt Baker goes to get her Kindle stick. Now, granted, the referee took away the Kindle stick before Britt Baker could use it on Sheeta, but I wouldn't mind seeing Sheeta versus Britt Baker if they're not going to be involved in the title scene for a while. I mean, that would be a great secondary women's feud now let's move over to rampage just for a second because there's only one thing on rampage that you guys need to see and in my life could never in my life could i believe i'm going to say this and david's probably going to scream at the his computer his phone whatever he listens to the podcast with as i'm telling you you guys need to see jay cargo versus statler from rampage it's the rampage main event for the tbs championship and this match probably is cardio's best match and she puts over Chris Sattler cleans the whistle, as rumors has it, should WWE maybe already at this week, but I will go ahead and tip my cap to Jay Cardio if that's the case, and she's willing to come back for an episode to put over Chris Sattler clean and help develop Chris Sattler title reign, making her believable as the TBS champion, and what a freaking weekend for Chris Sattler because she had that victory on Rampage, and will slide right over to AEW Collision, as she faced off against Britt Baker and Britt Baker's secondary hometown town that holds the college that she went to, Happy Valley, as Britt Baker returns to Penn State University trying to get the TBS title off of Chris Sattler. Yet a highly entertaining match, and maybe this made it a made a mistake. Now going into this match, I thought maybe they're going to take the title off of Chris Sattler, but oh no no no, Chris Sattler defeats Britt Baker as she rolls up Brick while Brick has the lockjaw locked in on Chris Statlander. One, two, three. And the crowd just looks around and goes like, hell, our girl lost this match. But it's a great match to watch. And I feel like this weekend basically has put a rocket to the back of Chris Statlander. And you're building this homegrown talent as you kind of lost Jay Cardell to the WWE. So now you're looking for the next person you want to push. And apparently Tony Khan wants to push Chris Statlander to the moon. Okay, we'll get back to AEW Collision just in a moment, but we're going back to Friday Night SmackDown. And if you've been underneath a rock, you've been on Mars or the moon, and you don't know, we got the return of the rock as he comes out with Pat McAfee to begin the show. And the rock basically runs down Awesome Fury after Awesome Fury talks a little bit of smack to the rock. And the rock makes the crowd chant to Awesome Fury, you are a beep hole for like, three freaking minutes and if you're watching the american feed like i was fox was beefing out a lot of this promo because the fans chanting a-hole so much they had to censor it it's been a while since i've seen a reaction like this it's just great to see the rock back now granted this is probably a one-off and no we're probably not going to see a awesome fairy versus a rock match anytime soon basically because i don't think you would waste a rock match with awesome fairy we'll have to wait and see what comes up some Fury's Rebel to Rock as we go on in the next couple weeks on SmackDown. Now, my second highlight from Friday Night SmackDown was an interaction backstage between The Rock and John Cena. And part of me was kind of brokenhearted because I wanted The Rock to turn to John Cena and go like, yeah, we're still not cool. And yeah, you're a yada dada beep. This would keep the belief that they don't like each other. But no, they hug each other and John Cena welcomes The Rock back to, to his home, the WWE. Okay, so my second highlight after this Rock John Cena interaction on Friday Night SmackDown was the match between 
Finn Balor and AJ Styles that got the show kicked off. And yes, yet again, Finn Balor gets a victory in the Judgment Day. Keep scoring win after win as they push them as the big bag dominant group while the bloodline is trying to figure out what the hell is going on and Roman's away for a while on vacation. But you need to go back and watch Finn Balor versus AJ Styles. It's eight minutes of pure wrestling action. And the third and final highlight of this episode of SmackDown, maybe, just maybe, is Grayson Waller's Waller effect with John Cena that breaks down into the stereotypical. You start out with the heel doing his interview segment, the babyface wrestler, and yeah, they're each other going to finally fight. And here comes Jamie Uso to face John Cena. So they're wrapping back around having this feud between Jimmy and John Cena. And here comes Solo Sokol out. And here comes AJ Styles out to even up the odds. Out of all the WWE TV this week, Friday Night Smackdown might be worth a rewatch. It was a quick two-hour show. But without question, my show of the week, AEW Collision, this past Saturday night, as we saw my first highlight, Big Bill and Brixie Starts. Who would have thought this tag team would be something that you would want to see on TV? Big Bill, the guy who's John Morrissey and Impact Wrestling. He was big cast in the WWE. And you thought, okay, he's seven foot. I know you can't teach that. But outside of that, he wasn't much. Dude has done a lot of work in the last year to two years on the independent scene between Impact and AEW. He's turned himself into a fine, giant professional wrestler. And pairing him with Ricky Starks, and you have this kind of interaction of Shawn Michaels and Diesel from back in the day with these two guys, I'm here for it. And, oh my freaking word, Ricky Starks got another victory on everybody's favorite weak, fiddle, broken down professional wrestler. Thank you, Nigel. But we're talking about Brian Danielson. As Brian Danielson eats the pin in this tag match that opens up collision after Ricky Starks does a low blow, but the refs can catch it. And Ricky starts 2-0 against the American Dragon. Okay, my second favorite match on this card, my second highlight of the show was the returning Andre El Igolo versus Scorpio Sky. It was a fine match, and unfortunately for Scorpio Sky, who I'm a big fan of, he loses the match by submission as Andrade locks in the figure four, transitions into his girlfriend slash fiance slash wife, Charlotte Flair's figure eight, they don't call it a fair eight on AEW TV. Scorpio Sky taps out to it. And El Igolo has another victory. And after this match, it's Bullet Cove Ghost music. And here comes out Jay White, the callus of professional wrestling. And he's challenging Andrade to a match. I don't know if it's going to be for Collision or Dream, but yet again, sign me up. Okay, so my third and final highlight of the AEW Collision was the... Women's match for Sattler and Britt Baker, like I said before, a fine main event match here. Chris Sattler was two for two on the weekend as she defeats Britt Baker. And probably one of the longer matches I can remember on AEW TV this week. Wait a minute, guys. We got two matches on AEW TV this week with women who went longer than four and a half minutes. Have they turned the corner? Oh, they probably haven't. We won't, we won't officially say AEW has turned the corner on this division until this match is a show that go longer. I get anybody else had a good idea? This is RFPW In-Depth. Sean and David take a deeper look at a wrestling promotion or wrestler that you should check out. Okay, so I'm not checking out a promotion or a wrestler this week. But we are going in depth into the PWI 500 as last week they released the version of this. 
And let me tell you, this is always fun to debate with professional wrestling fans. Who deserves to be the number one slot on the PWI 500? Okay, let's go ahead and run down the top 10 for you. Going from 10 to number one, we're starting at number 10 with the American Nightmare, Cody Rhodes. We're going to number nine, the gentleman who is a lethal weapon, a walking weapon for Impact Wrestling. We're talking about Josh Alexander. And number eight, if you can believe this, a year ago, the number eight wrestler on the PWI 500 is everybody's favorite millennial, kind of slacker, Orange Cassidy. Number seven, we're going over to New Japan Pro Wrestling as it's Izuka Okada. The Okada one is number seven this year. Number six is surprising because this gentleman has had one hell of a title run for AEW. He is the current AEW World Heavyweight Champion and everybody's favorite scumbag, MJF, is number six on the PWI 500. Okay, personally, a surprise at number five as Ed Vikingo from AAA Professional Wrestling out of Mexico, number five on the PWA 500. We've seen him from time to time on AEW TV. He has some Omega. He can go in the ring and probably, and personally, I should be probably watching more of his matches to understand his style of wrestling. But let's move over to number four. And I know David's breaking out the champagne. He's already trying to tweet me who number four is as Gunfer, the current Intercontinental Champion. And the foreign in my side is the number four professional wrestler according to the PWI 500. Number three, this gentleman is the true MVP of Elite Wrestling because anytime somebody gets suspension going on and they need to tap somebody to fill a slot, they call on John Moxley. John Moxley for three in a 23. Now, here's the thing. Who do you think is the number two and professional wrestler of PWI 500? Now, granted, I'm looking at it, and I can't believe they got the order the way they do. I'll give you the two options. You have Roman Reigns, the Tribal Chief, and Seth freaking Rollins. Between the two of them, who do you think is number one? And who okay, I'm going to surprise you. The Tribal Chief, the longest-running WWE Universal Heavyweight Champion of all time. By 500. He's number two because the architect, the Messiah of Professional Wrestling, the... Crazy Matthew McConaughey character that Seth Rollins has right now in the moment. Seth freaking Rollins has had one hell of a year. I don't know if he deserves the number in the PWI 500, but according to PWI, he is the number one professional wrestler at 23. Okay, guys, what are your thoughts? Share them to me at Radio Free PW on Twitter or email me at Radio Free Pro Wrestling at gmail.com. Before we leave the PWI 500 list, let's run down some other notable people and their position on this list. And David, I know you're going to ask me this question, so I'm going to give you the answer right now. Will Osprey is number 17. One slot below the American Dragon, Brian Downs. And yes, I know, I have a lot of favorite professional wrestlers, but one of my favorite right now going today is Jay White in number 30 to this freaking list. He is sandwiched between Sean Skywalker and Matt Cardona. Now, Matt Cardona is number 30. That might be a little low for the so-called king of independent professional wrestling or the god of independent wrestling with everyone he's considering himself today. Now, going across the pond to Protest Wrestling, one of my favorite promotions, their world champion, Spike Trevay, the lord of professional wrestling and progress wrestling, 161. David, I know, we both agree. That's freaking low for the best freaking hill in professional wrestling today. Granted, I know, a miscarry of justice. He deserves to be in the top 50 of Professor Wrestlers. This gentleman defeated Carnival in a freaking cave this past May. He defeated the octopus, Jonathan Gresham, for the Progress World Championship. 
this dude has been untouchable for the last freaking year. Now, granted, everybody's personal opinion. You can debate who you think deserves to be higher on this, lower on this list. Just reach out to me at Radio Free Pro Wrestling on Twitter, Instagram, or you can always email me at Radio Free Pro Wrestling at gmail.com. And that has been your in depth look at the PWI 500. What's on tap? The guys give you their picks on what you can't miss this week. Okay, so it's one of my favorite weeks of the year for EW Professional Wrestling as they head over to Arthur Ashe Stadium, AEW. I just love the look of the venue because it's totally different from what you normally see a wrestling show in. Normally, they would be in a basketball hockey arena, so you get the same look each week, but this Opera Ash show to me, the very first time I saw it, reminded me of WCW Monday Nitro doing their very first show at the Mall of America. It gives you a different playground to work with. It gives you a different visual. And they have really loaded this freaking card for this coming up Wednesday night. So let's run it down. Grand Slam 2023 card as we start with Dynamite and the AEW World Championship match MJF versus Samoa Joe. Now, granted, I thought they would go with the Roderick Strong versus MJF match first and save the Samoa Joe versus MJF match for probably Wrestle Dream. But here we are. We got the Samoa, the Samoa, we got Samoa Joe going against MJF in New York City. So we know the crowd is going to be pro MJF. And I'm expecting this match to freaking rock. I cannot wait to see this match. Now, the question is, does Roger Strong come out here and cost MGF the AEW World Championship? Is that a way you can slide the title over to Samoa Joe? Do you want to do that? Or do you want Samoa Joe to actually lose to MGF to increase? Okay, so do you need Samoa Joe to lose to MGF here in order to carry MGF's newfound babyface persona forward? You know... I mean, I'm thinking about it, guys, as I'm asking you this question. Does, does MJF need the World Championship anymore? Do we need to transition it off to somebody else and actually see maybe a babyface MJF have to make the chase for the title? And who better to put this title onto than the Samoa Submission Machine, Samoa freaking Cho? Now, for the AEW Women's Championship, we have Tony Storm versus Soraya. And I know a lot of wrestling podcasters and wrestling YouTubers are banging the drum to put the title back on Tony Storm. And I can see why, because I feel like Soraya has not yet had a good run in AEW since her appearance one year ago at Arthur Ashe Stadium at AEW Grand Slam. I still want to see what Soraya can do with the AEW World title. And, I, and personally, I'm enjoying this crazy 1950-1940 Hollywood starlet character that Tony Storm is doing right now and she's good without the title. And one thing they've done about this AEW Women's World title, they have hot potato this title just a little bit. Remember when title changes in AEW were a special occasion? You hardly ever see them. So I'm going with Soraya retain this title to carry on this feud because I feel like this feud between her and Tony Storm is just getting started. And there's a lot of room for them to play with. And I feel like it's going to be the feud that leads us into the winter in AEW for the women. 
And yes, David, you heard me right. I'm picking Tony Storm not to win this match. Okay, so this is the match that everybody probably wants to see. This is probably the match that maybe outshine MJF versus Samoa Joe. And it's the Arena Honor World Champion versus the New Japan Strong Open Championship. Both titles are on the line as Eddie Kingston returns to New York City to finally get his hands on Claudio Casanelli. Hook this match to my veins. We're literally 48 hours away from this match, and I'm already freaking excited for it. I can't wait, and I'm hoping that they kick the show off with this match in order to give it the proper time it needs. And if Eddie Kingston doesn't win this title and defeat Claudio Casanelli, you know New York City is going to riot, right? Okay, so let's move down to the AEW International Championship as John Moxley is going to face off against the tournament winner, Ray Phoenix. Unfortunately for Ray Phoenix, it's too soon to get this title off of John Moxley. I feel like it's just another victory for John Moxley here. It should be a good match, but it won't match the other three matches we already talked about. This may be a opening match for the fans to enjoy Ray Phoenix high fine action against John Moxley's ground and pound. But in the end of the day, it's going to be a Perium it's going to be a Death Rider 1-2-3. Okay, so on AEW Rampage, we have the Trios World Tunnel match. As we see the Acclaim versus the Dark Order. The Dark Order are coming off of a victory where we, see, where we saw John Silvers defeat Effie Bolin. With a little help from Evil Uno, as we see the, the, as we see the Dark Order go back to more of their hillish tactics of the early years of the Dark Order, but I'm sorry, everybody. Well, I'm sorry to Dark Order and all you Dark Order fans, because it's going to be a claim winning this match, and everybody's going to be scissoring at the end of this match. We're going to see a ROH six-man tag team championship match on Rampage. It's the Muddle Embassy, Brian Cage, and the Gates of Addy versus the Elite. Heyman Adam Page, Nick and Matt Jackson. Could the Elite become the new Reno Honor six-man champions and become a two-time Reno Honor tag team, Reno Honor six-man tag team champions? I got a feeling the titles might change here on this one. It might be a sleeper match for Rampage. Okay, so the match that I feel like is going to steal the Rampage part of this card: Darby Allen and Sting versus Father of the Year, Christian Cage and Lucasaurus, and Christian Cage is your quote-unquote TNT champion. And hopefully this is the match where we finally see Lucasaurus put his foot down and claim his title back from Christian Cage. I feel like this match could go either way. I can see Christian Cage and Lucasaurus getting a victory over Darby Allen and Singh as we head into Wrestle Dream and maybe Darby Allen getting yet another crack at the TNT title. Or I can see this being the end of the feud as Sting and Darby Allen get a victory over Lucasaurus and Christian Cage, and this causing Darby Allen get to Darby Allen to get one final shot at the TNT title, and that may be the thing that breaks this unit up between Lucasaurus and Father of the Year Christian Cage. Okay, so one match we forgot to talk about from AEW from AEW Dynamite is Chris Jericho versus Sammy Guevara. Now they promised that after this match they're going to shake hands, they're going to be friends still. But I want to see her to go over Chris Jericho. I don't want to see him turn heel. I feel like Sammy Guevara needs a babyface run 
There's no need to either. There's no reason to turn either gentleman heel in this match. Even though I feel like AEW is going to be tempted to turn Sammy Guevara heel here and have him cheat beat Chris Jericho in order to continue this feud down the road. As we see Chris Jericho work with Sammy Guevara for the first time in single action against each other from the time they started this company. Should be an interesting match. The last match from Rampage that we need to talk about for AEW Grand Slam is Orange Cassidy, Hook, and Chris Statlander versus Anna J, Matt Menard, and Angelo Parker. So is this the Anna J Appreciation Society? And where can I sign up? Unfortunately for me and Anna J, Matt, and Angelo, I got a feeling that Orange Cassidy, Hook, and Chris Statlander are going to easily steamroll over this trio. And we're going to see the two champions, Hook and Chris Statlander, stand tall with Orange Cassidy after this match is over. It might be the shortest match of all these matches on the AEW Grand Slam card. We'll have to wait and see. And that has been your AEW. This has been your AEW Grand Slam preview on Radio Free Professional Wrestling. And before we go, ladies and gentlemen, you can always follow me on Twitter at RFPWSean. You can follow the show. You can follow the show on Twitter at Radio Free PW. Also Instagram and TikTok. Or you can go over to www.radiofreeprowrestling.com to catch up on all our episodes. They are there, live and living color, just waiting for you to have a deep dive into the best professional wrestling podcast on the freaking planet. I hope you have a stunning start to your week. And for those very special Canadians that are listening, I know you are, guys. You know that I'm more stunning than you, and you know it. Christina here. On behalf of the guys, thanks for listening. Like the show? Do us a favor and share it with a friend. Have a stunning question? Email it to the show at RadioFreeProWrestling at gmail.com. Until next time, this has been Radio Free Pro Wrestling. Stay stunningly.